So about five or six years ago, my wife Chrissy and I found ourselves in a little bit of a, a dilemma. Um, and I don't remember exactly what happened like the day of the conversation. You know how you like memories from years ago. You don't remember the d exact details, but you remember well the conversation. It was one of those kind of conversations. And the bottom line was we just didn't have any more time. We, we were running out of time uh, everywhere we looked. In, 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 in my world, I was a pastor at a great church, and I loved the, the church. I loved the people. I loved the youth that I was working with. Um, I, was, I was getting involved more and more with this organization called Young Life, um, and I just was falling more in love with it every month. There was, I, just, I wanted to do more with it. It worked well with my job because I was a youth pastor, so I was in the high school more, and I liked that, and that was all good, but it was more. It was still more, and it was increasing. Um, and then on, on, uh, on the school side of things, I decided I was going to get my master's, and I was, you know, I was in the program for long enough. You ever been in one of those things? It's like you're too far into it that you, to quit, but you really want to go, like there's a, so much left. You're like, man, I just wish I could quit, but I'm not, I'm too far in. I can't give up now. And there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. And it was this really hard. If you guys know me, you know, school's difficult for me. And so I, I had all of this going on. And then on the home front, at the home front, um, we had just had, Jovi was just a little tiny, tiny waddling, toddling kid. And, and um, so I was trying to be a good dad, and I loved being a dad, and I loved spending time with her. But when I was with her, I was thinking about work stuff. I actually, I, I carried her everywhere. She, it was like, you know how some people take their dog to work all the time? That was me with Jovi. She just like went everywhere I went because I just loved being with her, but I had these things to do. And then also on the home front, we had just purchased a fixer-upper a couple years prior to it. And I mean, when I say fixer-upper, I'm like, it didn't have things called floors when we we moved in, okay? That just to give you a picture. So we had to put that in, and, and it was like all this work, and, and, and the reality was is I knew we were about two years into a five-year remodel for this house, and, and I had that going on, and then, of course, my lovely dear wife, my little uh, Christy, I, I love being with her, but I noticed that with all of the stuff going on, she and I were like passing like two ships in the night sometimes with everything that was going on, and it, I, I, was, I was stressed, I was stretched, I was pulled, I was torn constantly because I was like, if I, if, I, if I spend the time that I'd like to spend with my wife, I, I'm not going to get my school studies done. And if I spend it all the time that the teachers asked you know, to, to study, I'm not going to get time with Jovi. And if I, but if I spend all of my time with Jovi filling up her love tank, then what about work? Oh my gosh, I mean, I'm like four things in. I haven't even talked about work yet, you know? That's how life felt for me on Christy's end. She was not quite as um, fragmented. You know, she didn't have quite as many things going on, but she, she had, it was very, very much stressed because she had a sales job that she was about two years into this sales position and she, and she had yet to kind of break loose. She had yet to, yet to start producing in, in that sales position, which if you've been in that position before, if you've started a business and you're like a couple of years in, you're like, man, is this, is this working? That's a stressful place to be, right? And so she was starting, and in fact, she even started to see during that time, right around this time of this conversation, people that she had gotten hired with were now being let go because of they had similar numbers to what Christy had. So she's feeling this stress, she's feeling this pressure, like I need to do more with work and yet, I, and she's feeling the same way I am, but I'm not seeing Josh as much. And, you know, we've got, uh, we've got little Jovi. And then, to make matters worse, she's like, I'm pregnant. 
which was kind of the plan. I don't know why we planned. You know, like, it's like now they say all this is like, why did we get pregnant? But we did, you know, and, and so she's like, I'm pregnant and there's that. And she's like, I want to be a good mom. And she was already feeling a little bit distant from Jovi and all of this is going on. She's like, if I give time with Jovi, then I'm not going to have good time with work. And what if I lose my job and we need that income? That was her world, and, th- and so we, it was in light of all of that, I, again, I don't remember exactly what was happening that day, but we came to the table with that as the backdrop. And we're like, what do we do? Uh, we're just torn. We're feeling pressure. To, do we go over here? Do we go over there? And I personally was feeling like, I just can't win. You know, like I'm playing all these games, but I'm not really winning any of them. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever, ever felt that way? If, if you haven't, it's just a matter of time before something like this will happen. And if you felt that way, I'm so glad you're here today because that's what Tetris, the series, is all about. Uh, some of you have been with us uh, through the last few weeks, and it's been a really good conversation as we talk about it's a series for people that feel this way, who feel stretched, who feel like, like the pieces are just coming down, and they're coming down fast. And you're not sure where to put all, all, but if you put them over, you know, if I can get that there and that there, then these disappear and then I can do this and make room for the more. Tetris is for people who are trying to get the most out of life. But in their attempt to get the most out of life, they're, they're threatening to lose control of their life. That's who Tetris is for. So it's been a good conversation and I'm really excited for the conversation today. Um, but, and again, if you're, if you're here, if you're here and you're young, I said this at the end of the sermon last week, and, and if you're a student, if, if you're young, and maybe you're like, I don't know if I feel quite that way. If, if that's you, I'm still super glad that you're here, because you need to log this one in the memory banks. It's going to come in handy someday, because it's, it's just, and even as a student, you know, you got so much, like, you, you, you felt this tour and this pull before because you've gone to fifth hour period, and you nailed that project, you stayed up late to do that, and then you go to sixth hour, and it's like, oh, shoot, I had a test. And it doesn't matter how good you did on the project at fifth hour, that has nothing to do, you know, you know what I mean? It's like you can't win. See, so we all feel this way at different times, and here's why this conversation is so very important. We all love to win. And we need to recognize that in ourselves because when, if we love to win and if we feel like we're not winning, there's something we start to do. Like any good winner, when we don't win, we start to cheat. That's what, winner, like, like, that's what winners do. In fact, I want, I want to just free us from something here because here's the thing. You and I have so much going on in our lives. We can't possibly win in everything. In fact, I think it'd be good for us to just turn to one another and say, hello, my name is fill in the blank, and I am a cheater. <laughs> I'm serious. I actually want you to do that right now. Turn to somebody next to you and say, hello, my name is, and I am a cheater. You too, right there. Now, here's why I think this is therapeutic. Here's why I think this is important and therapeutic. If we need to recognize we have bitten off more than we, chew, we can chew. We have to recognize that we are already cheating in life. That, that something is, going, is being cheated right now 
in your life that you can't do your job, you can't love your spouse, you can't be a good friend, you can't be a good roommate, you can't be a, 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 a fantastic student and an athlete and a fill in the blank. You can't do all of that to the best of your abilities and, and, and it's just not possible. There's just not enough time. We all cheat. The thesis for this morning, what I want us to, to, to recognize and wrestle with is I want us to cheat right. That's my goal. That's my simple goal for this morning is, is to get us to, to, to cheat right, or, or uh, we're going to say it this way, to choose to cheat certain areas of life so that other areas don't get cheated. And I'm talking specifically about our, our, um, when, when there's so much going on that there's almost a war be between home and work, or home and school, or home and outside of the home, where they're at battle for each other. Because here's the deal. If we don't choose to cheat the things outside of the home, what happens is, is we start making decisions and we start uh, going about life in such a way that we say, we say to the people that we love, we say, listen, I got a lot going on and I, I need to go, so I need you to take this and hold this. When we, when we say, when we choose to cheat outside of the home, it's like we hand people, we hand our family members a rock. And we say, I know that I said, I know that I should, I know I really want to, but I can't, so can you hold this for now? And see, here's the reality. Is the people that we love, of course they're going to say yes. Our family members, they love us, they respect us, they want us to have the most out of life, they understand we're working hard. So they say, of course, I'll, I can take that. I know it's kind of, a, I don't know how, but uh, yeah, let me, let me hold that for you. And so you say, okay, I, I just, I'm going to miss one. Kids, kids, I need you to just hold this rock real quick because I, I, I can't make it to this ball game, but I promise I'll make it to the next. Honey, I know our anniversary is coming up, but I really, this is just, I, I can't miss this one. Next time we'll, see, and, and we, we do that, and, and if we're not careful, we continue to just hand rocks to them. We, and, they're, they're, and that's okay. See, here's the problem with this. Here, I got to put this down. It's too heavy. You see where this is going. See, here's the problem, is it's hard to know where to draw the line because with family, that's what family's for, right? We're there for one another. We're supposed to be. Like, like, that's the beautiful thing about family is, man, when I'm sick, you know, Christy's well sometimes, but sometimes we're both out and then it's horrible. But, you know, she's like taking care of, you know, like those, it's like our vows, uh, you know, for sickness and health, that we're going to do life together, so that, which means sometimes you're going to carry this rock for me. But here's the problem, is when we get too busy, and if we're not careful, we choose to cheat the wrong things in life. And, and what happens is our family holds, ends up holding that rock for way, way too long, for longer than they can hold it. See, it's not a willingness issue. It's just, that's what happens over time is, is what happens is once they, once, when you say, you know, I just, I'm going to be five minutes late. I, I just need this one more time. And it, it's all these little tiny things that add up and they're carrying this heavy load and they want to hold it. They, they're desperately, they don't want to let go. But there comes a point in time, and maybe some of us have experienced this relationally, where their mental willingness runs out. Their physical willingness just kind of buckles under the pressure 
of the weight. And see, we do interesting things when the rock drops, don't we? It's an interesting thing. It's like, especially men, we do interesting things like, like it, it, we're like, what just happened? I, all, I, all I said was pass the ketchup. <laughs> and, and she broke down into a puddle and ran out of the room. I don't understand. All I said was, I'm going to be five minutes late, honey. And she, she packed up and went to her mom's. Like, like, what is that? I just said, I just did. All I did was this. All I said was that. All I said was this. All I did was that. And, and, and see, what we don't recognize, especially as men, we just don't see this a lot of times, is that was not, it was, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, it's the straw that, but there was a lot of straw on that back already. And it all added up. And it was heavy. See, when the rock drops, grades plummet, intimacy, intimacy suffers, we start to feel very distant from one another. When the rock drops, sometimes a progression happens where it's like, yeah, it starts off with when, when that person, when, when you leave the house, they say, they're sad to see you go. And then uh, after a while, if, if, you, if you leave too much, it's like they're, they're, they kind of get over it. It's so it becomes natural. It becomes, well, I, just, I guess you're gone again. And then that's, they become apathetic almost, like, I guess dad's gone. And then when it gets really, really bad, you might even see sometime like, okay, I, I need to leave now. And then you, you notice something in their face when you're leaving that they're actually happy to see you go in a way. And that, see, that's what happens when the rock drops. Now, I understand why this actually happens. I think it's actually pretty simple. Why, why, we're, why we're, we have this tendency to, to, why it's natural to leave the rock with the people at home instead of outside or go to work. And, and it really is to do with one word. We love progress. We love to see things happen. We like to win, right? And let's be honest. It's a lot easier to see progress at work than it is at home. You know, when you're at work, you can see things getting done. You stay for an extra couple hours at work. You, build, you, know, you see, get something get built. You get to, to check a box. You get to make that phone call. You get to, you know, cash in on those paydays. But then when you go home, when I'm at home for two hours, well, I'm just kind of at home. You know what I mean? Here's the other thing that's kind of hard about this whole dynamic is at work, you get, like, prizes, you can like make money and, and sometimes they even hand you like awards and plaques and say, wow, you did, you're in the top 5%. You go home, if you play with your kids, with the best of them, there's no 5% plaque you get. The all you get is like maybe some rug burn on your arms. But it's, you, see, like, you see the difference, like you see what, how work, it, you can check the box. You can go there. I saw what got done. I, I liked, you know, th this happened. And I, I got that rush. And at home, I don't feel the same way. And the problem is, there's, here, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with progress. I think God is actually all for progress. I think if you look at this world and how things, you know, uh, how things are made and how things progress and that kind of thing, he loves progress. Nothing wrong with progress. It's when progress gets in the way of family. That's the problem. Because here's the stark reality. Put those rolls back up on the screen, or put those rolls on the screen. Let's look at my, like my situation 10 years, or five years ago. These are all the things I had going on. I was a pastor, a young life leader, a fly fishing guide. I didn't even mention the fly fishing guide thing. A student, a dad, a husband, a homeowner. Look at that list. You tell me which of those are 
are, are roles that are unique to Josh Donoff. Meaning, out of those roles, if I ceased to exist, got hit by a bus, abducted by aliens, whatever, I'm just gone, where could I be replaced and where can I not? The reality is, you and I in life only have a couple of, of roles that we are unique to. Roles like dad, like husband, like son, like brother. Roles like that, that honestly, if, if you disappeared, no one could take your place. The reality is, and this is hard to remember sometimes, is at work, no matter how big and bad you feel, if you kick the bucket, someone's going to replace you. And they're going to replace you probably pretty soon afterwards. And so here's the big idea for today. And here's what I want us to really uh, come away with. Never trade what is unique to you for something someone else can do. In fact, let's put that up on the screen. Never, put, never trade what's unique to you for something someone else can do. For something someone else will do. If you were, the good way to test it is like, okay, you feel like this is a really important role, unique role. If you're gone, some, will someone else do it? Can someone else do it? Yeah. That's not a unique role. It's always a mistake to trade what's, what's unique to you. Those years as a father, uh, your, your role as a husband, for, for something that somebody else can do. My goal today is to get, get us thinking about how, what it means to choose to cheat. I want to make cheaters out of us. I want us to cheat, but I, I don't want us just to cheat. We're already cheating. I want us to cheat right. Now, when you open up Scripture, Scripture has a lot to say about this kind of thing. We're going to look at a passage from the book of Matthew. It's actually the passage after the one we looked at two weeks ago together as we talked about money, Tetris and money. This one is really good for relationships. And, and, and we're going to look at one verse in particular, but to set it all up, we're going to look at, um, we're going to start in verse 25. And this is Jesus talking. And he's talking to a group of people and he says this. This is Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Do you guys remember in school that uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Does anybody remember that? It was just me. It's that chart that looks like a pyramid, and on the, the base is like the foundation. It's all the things that we like absolutely need to have in life. Water, sleep, food, and then like the next tier is like clothes, and then the next tier is like a house, and, and it goes up, and then soon there's like a Ferrari at the top. That's like that. What Jesus just said here. Don't, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you drink, what you, in your body, what you wear. What he's doing is he's taking that whole bottom rung out of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and everything kind of falls and follows with it. That's what he's saying right here. He's like, if, you know, don't worry about these things. And, you know, if you worry, don't worry about these things. You're not going to have to worry about all these other things. And she's saying just don't worry about those things, Okay. Now stick with him. He says this. I think he says something really interesting here. He says, Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes? 
I, I think that's a really interesting statement. He's, he's bringing us aware to the fact that we can live life in such a way where we're so worried about the things that we're not really living life, we're just worrying about the things. Isn't life more than food? Isn't life more than the body and the clothes? And, 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 and you can't really argue that. Yes, it is. And he builds another thing that you can't really argue with. In the next couple of verses, I'll just summarize what he says. He says this. He's like, hey, in fact, just you know, while we're talking about, look at that bird over there. You see that bird and how it flies and how it's living life? Does that bird worry about what it's going to eat? Does it store up things? For, no. And yet it, it, should, it has a lot of things to worry about. I think it would be terrifying to be a tiny little bird in this world. But the bird doesn't worry about it. And then Jesus makes the point. He's like, it doesn't worry about it. And, and somehow it makes it. You know why it makes it? Because God watches after it. He says, oh, yeah, and look at this flower over here. This flower right here is gorgeous, right? This flower, does this flower worry about its life? No. I mean, it, sh- it should be worried because it's here today, gone tomorrow, wildfires, drought. There's all sorts of things that we insure against. Does the flower have insurance? No. And how does it survive? It, well, it survives because God takes care of it. And then he makes a really profound point. He's like, you're more valuable than flowers. To God, you're more valuable than birds. So what are you worried about? a good point, Jesus. And then he says this, and then we'll get to our passage. This isn't up on the, on the board. He, he, he says this, so don't worry saying what will you eat, what will you drink, what you wear. After all, your heavenly Father knows that you need him. So don't worry. I mean, it's like, okay, great. So don't worry. Be happy. Thanks, Bobby McFerrin. Appreciate it. What does that mean, Jesus? He, in the verse that we're going to unpack right now, this is, this is the clinch. This is like, this, he, he gives us the alternative to worry. This is the opposite of worrying is according to Jesus, and this is so important. Verse 33, but seek first. Okay, so don't worry. You know, you got all these things, but, but the opposite of that is, but seek first his kingdom, meaning God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I, I was chewing on these words all week and it was kind of fun to chew on them. Here's what, here's what his kingdom, here's what Jesus, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven all the time. He was, he was the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and all of his parables, everywhere he went, he was talking about the kingdom. As if, and here's what I think he was trying to say. He's, he was saying, you know what? The kingdom of God, that, you know what that means? It means that God is up to something in the world. That, that God is actually at work in the world. Always has been and always will be. And, and so the kingdom in Jesus' paradigm, in his world, the kingdom was God's plan for life. His plan for life. And he's saying, seek that. I mean, think about this for a second. The God of the universe is up to something. That shouldn't be too far-fetched for us. We look at this world that's full of order, that, that, that things work or they don't work, like there's progressing someplace. God's up to something. And what Jesus is saying is pretty exciting. He says, you can find out about it. Seek his kingdom. Seek his plan for life. Be ca- in fact, some of us in here have been captured by this thought. Like, oh my gosh, God is up to, wor- up to something in this world and we get to be a part of it. Seek his kingdom, and seek his righteousness. See, this is how we become a part of it. God is up to something. This is how we become a part of it. We seek, righteousness is, is God's way of life. 
So the kingdom is his plan for life. Righteousness is his way of life. This is this, and and here's, here's how you know you're seeking righteousness or not. God's righteousness. You're going through life and you have a decision to make. And you're like, okay, I want to do this. Or normally I would do this. And then you take a step back and say, okay, but I'm going to seek your way, God. And maybe it's the same way. Maybe we're on the same page, but maybe we're not. So I'm going to take the time out and I'm going to seek righteousness. I'm going to seek your goodness, your grace. And, and, and see, here's the thing. When we seek his righteousness, we start to see goodness. We see, start to see grace. We start to see love. We start to see sacrifice. And see, here's how it applies to, to what we're talking about with choosing to cheat. If we're pursuing righteousness, the, the, the more you study God's way of life, you start to realize what's most important to him. We talked about it last time. Love God, love others. If you dig into what God is all about, it, he wants us to love him. He wants us to seek him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And he wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves. He wants us to love the people around us, starting with the people who are closest to us, and love them well. He wants us to love them in such a way where we're not constantly handing them a big rock. That's God's way. That's God's righteousness is to seek first his kingdom, seek first his righteousness. And then Jesus says this, and I picture him saying it this way, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you. All these, I, what do I call them? They're just things. All this stuff, you know? Seek God first, you know, put what's first first. Put your relationship with him first. Put your relationships with the, your, your, your family, your loved ones first. And then, you know what? All these things will just fall in afterwards. We'll, 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 and here's, here's what the thing, I used to read that like, oh, so if I, if I just do what God says, I'll get everything I want. <laughs> and I don't think that's what this is saying. I think when we seek his kingdom first, all the other things in life just find their place in life. You know what I mean? They start to find their proper place in life as you prioritize correctly, as you choose to cheat the things that aren't as important. Life just kind of has a way of figuring itself out. And here's what's so cool about this verse. This is a promise. This is, this is Jesus saying very clearly, hey, listen, this, and here's what the promise is. You put my kingdom first, and I will take care of yours. You put my kingdom first, and I'll take care of yours. Isn't that a great promise? But Jesus, what about all of this? You know, like, what about my job? Like, my job is super demanding. I've got all these things, my boss and this. And he's like, okay, yeah, I know. But I'm the God of the universe. I can help you out. Seek first my kingdom. My, my plan for life. Seek first my righteousness, my way of life. And watch me just order all of this stuff and put it in its right place. Isn't that a great promise? Isn't that good for people playing a Tetris game that seems crazy at times? It's helpful. And, and I, know, I know that some, there's some of us here thinking to ourselves, okay, great, like that, it, that, that seems too simple. You know, maybe you've heard things like let go and let God, and you're like, okay, what does that mean? I'm not sure. Or trust God. 
And, and honestly, if you're there, I, I totally, I'm glad you're here, and I, I'm glad you're part of this conversation, because honestly, if I hadn't experienced this firsthand, I'd probably be right where you are. But let me go back to, to this conversation that Chrissy and I had years and years ago. So here Chrissy and I are, and we're just suddenly realizing this is not a sustainable path that we're on. We're starting to, start to realize that we've got all of these different things. Some of them are new. Some of them have always been there. But all of them are growing. And we knew that if we continued down the path, we'd soon be just roommates. You know, like, yeah, we'd be high-fiving as we pass each other, I guess, if we still like each other. Like, like we saw that coming, and we're like, we need to do something. And what was interesting was, right around that same time of this conversation, we had just listened to a sermon called Choosing to Cheat. I, I stole all of this, just so you know. <laughs> the rock, the, you know. But it, it, we listened to this sermon by a guy named Andy Stanley. And we listened to it twice and maybe even three times. Because it was right where we were at. And we said, we need to do something. And so what we decided to do after, and it was, it was not a beautiful conversation. You know, like, like I know sometimes reminiscing, you can make things look more lovelier than they are. Like there was tears. And there was, well, what about this? And what if I can't do this? And what if I lose my job? You know, there's a lot of that. And then finally we were like, okay, but what does it mean to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? And we made the decision, this is just what we decided, that I think was one of the best decisions that Chrissy and I have ever made together. I think it's one of the best leadership decisions that we've ever made as well. And we decided that when it came to anything outside of the home, work, work, school, work, <laughs> there's like all those things, we could spend between the two of us cumulatively 65 to 70 hours a week doing those things. And if we spent more than that, we weren't giving the best to our family. And we weren't giving the best to each other. That's how the conversation actually started. It was like, okay, what do we need to do? What do I need to do in order to give the best to you? Because I kind of said, like, on this altar one time, that I would do that. And I'm not sure I'm doing it, but I want to make sure I do it in the, in the future. Those are good conversations. That sounds bad. Those are romantic, lovely conversations. Okay, I know I, I, on the altar, we did this once. Am I doing that? Am I giving the best to you? And, I'm, and are we able to give the best to one kid, soon to be two? And we decided that 65 to 70 hours a week was our lines. It could, you know, like for somebody else it might be different, but for us, that was our line. And here's what that meant. It sounds all tidy and good. The reality of that was, what that meant was Christy, uh, we, we, here's the thing, Christy made a lot more money than I did, but she like sincerely believed and has always supported what I do, even though I didn't make as much money. I was making a good salary, but I wasn't in sales. And, and what, what happened was, is Christy said, no, I was like, well, you need 45 of those hours, right? She's like, no, I'm going to cut it back to 32. And I was like, no, you're not. You, no, we can't do that. Like, what if you lose your job? She's like, I don't know. I feel like what you're doing is, is just as important as what I'm doing. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do my job in 32 hours. And now, now hear, hear me out. Pa I need to pause for a second. You might not be able to do that. But in a sales position, you can. Either you're producing or you're not. You know what I mean? Like, like she, she ran that past her boss, and he thought she was crazy. You know, like, don't just 
you know, go to, if you're working at a dentist, to be like, I'm only working 32 hours, like, it's just not going to fly. But in our case, we were able to do that. And I was like, are you sure? I said, yeah. She said, yeah. The months go on, and, 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 and let me tell you, like, we were constantly, like, that conversation, even though it eased tension, it also created tension, because we had to, we kept coming back to it. You know, we kept coming back like, are we actually doing this? Or did we just say we're doing this? That we're going to give the best to our kids? Or, or are we actually doing that? And so we had to keep coming back to the conversation, revisiting and revisiting. I don't know what happened, but that next year, the next 12 months after we made that decision was one of the most productive, rewarding, and fulfilling 12 months that we've had together. And, and I could say all these things. I could say, I could say, you know, Christy reached the tipping point in her job and, you know, like the breakthrough. I could say, you know, it was just a good year. Things were lining up with, with Young Life. We were able to start a really cool ministry called Campaigners. Uh, and the Campaigners, a, a certain way, it was just, it was my dream come true at the time. I mean, it, it, we, we had the blast with the kids. And on top of that, Christy also made more money, made, made more of her, or she reached more of her quota. She um, exceeded her quota for the first time in her sales career in her life. And, and remember, we got the, to go on this trip, this President's Club trip, because she sold so much. And I remember we got there, and we just hit our knees. We got to the beach, and we hit our knees. A, because it was a beach, and we like, hadn't seen a beach in like a decade, so it was like awesome. But B, it was like, we're here not because of anything we've done. We're here because you, God, brought us here. And I'm just telling you, there's just something about when we, when we trust God and we seek Him and we put the right things first, watching Him take care of our kingdom as we seek His is one of the most powerful things in the world. Some of you exp- have experienced it. And frankly, maybe, maybe you're not quite there. Maybe you don't believe all of this. Like you're not sure about the whole Jesus thing. Like if Jesus actually said this or was he the son of God or was he just a good teacher? Honestly, I don't know if that matters in this conversation. If, if you do believe that, if you are a Christian, if you are a God follower, like you believe that Jesus, you're trying to be like him, you don't have a choice. This was kind of like a mandate. Like you need to seek his kingdom and, and, and watch and see if he actually comes through. But if you're not, if, you, if you're not quite there yourself, honestly, I think this is just as applicable for you. That if you reorder your life and you put first things first, look out and just see what happens. And I would argue that God would have something to do with it. But you, maybe if you're not ready to go there, I totally understand. But there's just something about when you put first things first, work gets done, calls get made, paychecks get picked up. It, 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 I feel like God's over on this side saying, try me. What do you got to lose? The op- in the opposite scenario, there's a lot to lose. Can we just all agree? By putting the wrong, like, like cheating in the wrong areas, there's a lot at stake. Cheating in these areas, I think you only have things to gain. Here's what I'm not saying. If you do this, you're going to be rich to, in, in a year. Or, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not saying, like, that was, and we didn't become rich. You just had a great year. Like, it was like, uh, that was our story. I wonder what yours would be. Our story just happened to be like, God kind of just 
blew open, blew open the doors and, and allowed us to see him at work so that we could trust him more in the future. That was our story. Your story might be different, but whatever it is, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth seeing God come through and giving him the space to do so. It's worth changing our prayers. Lord, will you take care of home while I go take care of things at work? It's worth switching our prayers and saying, Lord, would you take care of things at work while I do what I need to do at home? Would you choose to cheat? And here's what I mean by this. The application is very, very simple. I challenge you to have one conversation one conversation with somebody that you love, you know, somebody who's close to you. If, if you're married, that's your spouse, possibly. If, you, if, you're, if you're not, if you're single, it's a, it's a roommate. It's who you're closest to. Because the reality is the people we're closest to are the people that we tend to dump heavy load rocks on. So it'd be a great conversation. Hey, am I cheating right? Hey, am, am I putting time in the right area. And, and just so you guys know, I, I, I want to be really honest with you. Christy and I had this conversation again last night as I was, you know, preparing a sermon that I got to preach to you all about it. And there was tears because we're, we're wrestling with it too. But at the end, we, you know, like after, after tears, we hugged and it's like, but this is so worth it. Our kids are worth it. You're worth it. And ultimately, the connection with God that we've experienced because of it is just so remarkable. Would you choose to cheat? Would you never trade what's unique to you for something that somebody else will do? Something somebody else can do? Something somebody else will do if you were gone? Let me say a prayer.